So church, it is time to seek him first, amen? It is a new year, it's a new opportunity, and I don't know about you, I had somebody this past week ask me on Monday how the day had went. They knew that that we had faced a number of different challenges and, and situations. I think all of us would love to say that, you know, COVID stayed in, in 2020 and 2021, but, but we know it hasn't, right? It, it, it's moved into a new year with us. And so my response was, yeah, the day's going okay. All you can do is laugh. It, it kind of feels like 2020 and 2021 got together and had a baby. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? I, I mean, it's, it's been kind of a weird start to the year, and there's some things about this year that, that feel familiar in a way already that we don't want, if we're honest. And, and what I know is there's a God who says, yeah, there's some things going on, there's some things that you don't want, but if you'll focus on me, if you'll put me first, I'm going to teach you, show you how to get through it. I'm going to show you what my plans are. And, and so I, I want to just declare this by faith that it's a new year and we're going to put fear in the rear. That, that it's a new year. And this does not mean that we're not going to use wisdom and that we're not going to have love and that we're not going to care for one another if we're going through something because we know that, that we need to be there for each other. Amen? But at the same time, we cannot allow something from the past now Enter into the present in the same way. God wants us to, by faith, move forward, to not allow things from the past, and now I'm going beyond COVID for a minute, to dominate, distract, or divide us. We serve a God that wants us to focus solidly on Him. Now, as you think about putting fear in the rear, you know, some of you, you know, you, you remember how to drive. Uh, around Vero, I'm not always convinced everybody does. <clears throat> but when, you, when you're driving a car, right, in the side view mirror, what is the, the little fine print? It's usually on the passenger side. This is actually my vehicle. I went out and took a picture. And uh, it says, objects in the mirror may appear larger or may be larger than they appear, right? And, and I don't know about you, but doesn't it feel like sometimes when we look to the side or we look back that we carry that kind of mentality, that, that we actually give more credence and more worth to something that's on the side or behind us than what it deserves. That somehow the mentality that, that objects may be larger than they appear plays into our daily living. You, you see, when we look through the windshield, we get clear vision. And part of what we're doing is asking as a church, God, we want to seek you first. We want to move forward with you. We want to get clear about who you are and what your plans are. Last week, Pastor Nate and, and James Fleming, our Bible teacher at Masters, did a great job kicking off this series. Can I get an amen? They really did. And uh, as we lean in today, we are in Colossians 1. You could turn there with me. And I'm actually going to treat this a little bit differently I'm going to preach the, the rest of chapter 1 backwards. Never done this before. I, I'm actually going to start towards the end of chapter 1 and move backwards, and I think you'll see why. You see, at the front of chapter 1, this guy Paul is writing to this church in Colossae, and he's, he's helping them to see who God is and wants to be in their life. He's calling them to actually be a people of prayer, that walk worthy of the Lord, that lean into the Lord, that allow him to have his way. 
And then as the passage goes on, he centers it solidly on the preeminence and the sovereignty and the the amazing nature of who Christ is. It's rich in Christology. Towards the end of the passage, he begins to show, as you'll see, that life had thrown some things at him even. And so we're going to start there and then bring it back to the centerpiece of what he's doing here. So picking up in verse 24, he says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Say, for you. I'll just comment on this. Anytime God moves in our life, we're meant to, we're blessed to be a blessing, and it's always about blessing others. It's always about helping and serving and loving others. Paul understood this. He says, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of the glory. That is an incredible statement there. Uh, for them, they, they had, were dealing with some uh, false teachers, some heresy, some things that, that actually had taught them that there was a dichotomy, that there was a division between heaven and earth. And what Paul is saying here is, no, listen, heaven and earth have come together in Christ. And not only has it come together in Christ, but Christ is in you. Like, in you. Like, think about this for a minute. We look at Old Testament heroes and leaders, right? And we think, what would it have been like to be them and to see that miracle? And some of us may feel like, okay, when we get to heaven, we're going to go running to, to find out what, what was it like to be Moses? What was it like to be Elijah? What was it like to be Gideon or Esther or some of these heroes of our faith? There was actually somebody a few years back in a concert, the lead singer, that actually said, he thinks, and I believe this too, that they're going to come running to us. And they're going to go, what was it like? What was it like to have Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you? Church, this is an amazing reality. I could spend the rest of the message on this one thought and idea that Paul is laying out for them. That not only is heaven and earth intersected, but Christ, because of what he did for us on the cross, his death and resurrection, now lives inside of you and I. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He goes on. He says, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You're taking notes here. The first thing that that I want to point out is our greatest goal, according to what Paul is saying here, and this would be supported throughout the rest of scripture as well, is maturity in Jesus. This isn't based on your age. This isn't based on your maturity in a job or, or as a parent or in a family or in a marriage. That isn't the comparison you to others. The comparison is to Jesus. The goal is, are you maturing in Jesus in Christ-likeness? Paul is saying this so clearly to them, and this is what he's given his life to. He's given his life to this reality of wanting to see people grow and become more like Jesus. 
And that's a worthy goal, not just for him, but for any church. And that's my heart and my hope for us as a church. As Paul is laying this out, he really understood the assignment. He understood that God had given him an assignment, and that assignment was to help for as long as he had breath to see people grow and become more like Jesus. Can you think about what that would look like in 2022 for you and I? To actually say our goal is to mature and to grow in Jesus? Now, did you notice that, that Paul had listed a bunch of challenges? And I can read to you other passages as well where Paul lists pain and affliction and suffering and, and things he's going through. And yet somehow, it doesn't seem to get him down. I mean, even this letter, this letter is known, this book of Colossians is known as one of the prison letters. He's writing this from prison. He's not complaining. He's actually seeing how each of those things can bring him closer to Jesus and mature him. You and I will continue to go through life because life happens. Are we seeing and putting Jesus in the center of it to grow us? And so let me ask you a hard question, or, or maybe just this statement alone. Are you becoming bitter or better? Is life and what it's bringing to you causing you to become more bitter or better? Because what Paul is saying here is despite everything he's gone through, he's not bitter He's getting better because he's maturing in Christ and wanting to see that for others. There's an author and commentator, J.D. Berry, that says this. When Jesus is at the center of our lives, our perspective on the world is altered. Pain seems bearable and peculiar circumstances don't seem pointless. That's precisely why Paul could be in such a dark pit, chained to a Roman guard, and still say, I rejoice in my sufferings. Paul knew that through his sufferings, he could help the church become more like Jesus. Every moment is a chance to be more like Jesus, to perceive how he is working in our world. May you move him to the center of all that you do. Come on, church. When we think about seeking first, this is what we're doing, is we're saying, no matter what we're going through, part of putting fear in the rear and faith in the middle is putting Jesus right at the center. And saying, we're not going to be bitter, we're going to get better, we're going to mature. That's our goal, is to mature and be more like Jesus. And Paul was living that and doing that. Now there's another thing here that's so important for us to grasp. Our greatest resource is God's presence and power. In verse 27, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then maybe you caught it in verse 29, he, he was so clear. He said, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. You see, sometimes we need to be reminded that the greatest resource in life isn't your strength, your talents, your gifts, your bank account. It's God's presence and power. That we serve a God who says, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to walk with you. And my presence and power, Christ in you, is available so when you face situations and you face things in life, he's there and he's able. And oftentimes the problem is we've attached or allowed things to attach to, to us that are filling those needs, that are actually acting as a resource in our life. 
And in this day and age that Paul is writing this, they were dealing with the same thing. Another author and commentator, Alan uh, Caldwalder, says this, Colossae's gods, so now the gods of that context that Paul's writing in, were mostly those associated with human needs related to food, health, pleasure, and nature. So that Colossae was replete with gods that promised to, and notice that's God's lowercase, gods that promised to satisfy such needs. Leave that up for just a second. I want us to think about this because that could very well read not just Colossae, but America. That could very well read that, that you and I are tempted in the same ways to allow other things to satisfy the needs that God was meant to be the resource to meet. And this is why in this new year we're moving into a time of prayer and, and fasting that begins tomorrow. As we do that, we've already seen in the last week God's presence and power. We've already seen God answering prayers and doing some miraculous things. Let me share with you one story that I have permission to share. On Monday last week, we knew that one of our staff members' sons, Pastor Eleanor, her son Tanner, had not just been hit with COVID, but through COVID had had some complications that led him and left him in a diabetic coma by Monday morning. Now, as that unfolded, they did not know he had diabetes. There's more of the story that they'll tell when they're ready, but I got permission to tell this part. On Monday, around 8.30, between 8.30 and 9 a.m., our staff is gathered and praying. There's actually, I know of at least one other church that had been mobilized to pray. How do I know? Because the pastor asked me on Wednesday when we were praying together how he was doing. So you had a couple of churches and people praying, and the doctor comes in and says to her, we need to put him on a ventilator, he's not going to make it. She says no. He says, you don't understand. She says, give me a minute, I need to talk to my husband. Doctor leaves the room, she lays hands on her son Tanner and prays. Doctor comes back into the room, and Tanner, for the first time, I believe in about 24 hours, opens his eyes. He's now conscious. The doctor says, okay, we, we won't put him on a ventilator. So later in that day, around 3.30, 3.45, I call her back to check in and to see how he's doing. The doctor walks into the room and said, I've never seen labs like this in a human that's still alive. Church, it is a miracle. His lab results, the things that had happened... You, and you could, you, you could try to just, and this is what we do, right? Like sometimes we hear of a miracle and we try to ex explain it. We, we try to somehow get around it and, and say it was because of something else. Listen, all I know is people were praying, God moved, and he's still alive today, and God has a plan for his life. Our God is the greatest resource his presence and power is what we are longing for and what I believe that we as a church need to seek him first for in this season. So again, if you need information on our fast, here's the link, pathwayvb.com slash seek first. Every day for the next 21 days starting tomorrow, there's a devotional. We want to encourage you to pray and to fast, to, to ask God to fill in some of those gaps, to become your all, to become all. And as you do this, we believe that he's, he's going to answer and move in awesome ways. 
Thursday evenings, we're gathering for a house of prayer from six to eight, open house style. Come pray with other people. This month, during this time, we, we actually had a group of us that started last Thursday, and it was awesome to be a part of. Church, may we be reminded that his presence and power is what we need most. And Paul is laying that out for us in such an incredible way. Now, as we move to the next aspect, we're going to see that all means all. Can you say that with me? All means all. That, that in fact, Jesus is all, he's in all, he's through all, and he works in all. And as we put him first, we're going to see that and have stories to share, I believe, this coming year. Let's look here at verse 19 through 23. Again, I'm preaching the text backwards today. Verse 19 says this, For in him all, say all, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself, what? All things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. If you're taking notes here, Jesus is the ultimate upgrade in all things. What Paul is saying is, listen, you know who you were. I knew who I was, and Jesus has upgraded us. That the gospel has literally taken us from one state of being, one condition, a fallen, sinful, broken condition, and God reaches into our world through the person of Jesus and upgrades us. Now, every year there's moments where we, we hear about like the upgrades, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of over it. Have you ever noticed like how a lot of the new upgrades on our phones aren't really as wowing or amazing as they used to be? Anybody? Like, it, it just kind of feels like it's the size of the screen and the quality of the camera anymore, right? Like, that's about it. In a lot of ways, what Paul is trying to help them see is, listen, there are people attempting to actually downgrade who Jesus is. They were surrounded in a culture filled with a heresy, Gnosticism. There were other issues there as well. And people were trying to downgrade Jesus, trying to make it look as if he wasn't the son of God, that he wasn't above all and wasn't supreme and, pro and, and sovereign and prominent, that, that he was somehow just another itinerant rabbi, rabbi or Jewish teacher. And, and Jesus is so much more than that. And Paul's trying to help him see, listen, no, if you understand who he is, he wants to upgrade everything in our lives. That in fact, he's a God who's able to reconcile us to himself and restore us. He moves us from enemy to friend. He moves us from the fallen enemy, the separated one, to a friend of Jesus, to a friend of God. We become his sons, his daughters, kids of the king. Like that is an incredible 
reality. This isn't religion, it's a relationship. That's the gospel, that's the heart of what Paul is trying to help them with here, and I believe we need to hear and understand today. Now, he's also helping them to understand who they once were, where they stand, and how they must go on. And in that, you ever been to like a, place, a larger place? It used to be malls, but a lot of us don't go to those anymore, right? Uh, you know, maybe it's Disney, where you have like this large map, and, and it has that, that little dot on it that says that you're here, right? Some of you don't know what those are. It, it's like when you turn on a phone, and, and it has a blue dot on your GPS, and you know that means you're here, right? It's the same kind of idea. That, that actually, it, it tells us this is where we're at. And sometimes we need to look realistically at where we're at in order to know what's available and where we can go. And that's exactly what Paul's doing here. He's telling them, listen, here's where you're at. Here's what God's done, and here's now where you need to go. So let me read it to you again through that lens as you listen. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Here's where he's saying, remember where you stood. You once who were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless. This is incredible truth for us. Incredible. That our God would do what we didn't deserve, what we didn't earn. That that in fact, he invites us in to this life with him and says, I want to reconcile you. I want to reconcile you to me. Part of that reconciliation, as we're reconciled to God, is realizing he then reconciles us in our life, in the things around us. Scripture is clear, right? We're to love God and love our neighbor. That also part of the gospel is when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and we're reconciled to him, now he reconciles us to other people that also confess Jesus. That in the family of God, we actually have brothers and sisters that didn't, weren't born under the same name and the same bloodline, but because of the blood of Jesus are now our brothers and sisters. That, that in fact, those brothers and sisters in that day and age were known as Jew and Gentile was often the division and the issue. Today, we know that we live in a country that is soberly divided over race and class and other issues. And yet here's Paul, and here's Jesus saying, listen, I have the ultimate upgrade for you. That if you come to the foot of the cross, you're all sinners in need of a Savior. And that when you receive Jesus, and you're saved by his grace, you now are able, 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, that we no longer look at each other with worldly eyes. That we're a new creation, verse 17 says. That you and I now see each other as created in the image of God, as brothers and sisters. Church, we should be leading the way. We should be leading the way in what it means to be the reconciled family of God. And if we live this and we lead this in our world, can you imagine how people might flock? Because they're not gonna, you're not going to find this anywhere else. 
No workshop on reconciliation. No workshop on on diversity and unity. And these things is going to have the same effect as the power of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. It can't. Because without the Holy Spirit unifying us, we're not truly able in the same way to be family. Church, this is incredible truth. God upgrades us in all things. So let me ask you this question. Who are the people in your life that God's saying you need to be reconciled to them? That as I've reconciled you, I now want you to be an agent of reconciliation. That I I want you to realize this is your brother or sister in Christ. We often live so broken and divided from one another when actually we've been upgraded and given the opportunity to live in harmony and unity and true family. And so, whose name is in your mouth? Let me ask that question again. Whose name is in your mouth in this season? Is it the name of a people group or a person in your family or outside of your family? Is it the name of a politician that you can't agree with and you're so focused on that that you're missing everything else? Woo, church, you all are so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) Whose name is in your mouth? Because at the end of the day, what Paul is getting at here is, listen, if you've received the gospel... If you've been upgraded, his name should be in your mouth. Jesus' name should be in your mouth. And the belief that Jesus can reconcile you to other people, that he could reconcile and restore that relationship even in your family, that's the name that should be in our mouth in this season. Jesus wants to upgrade us in every way. Now, who is this Jesus, right? What's he do? Paul says at the end of that verse 23 that that we're to stay focused, to not be dissuaded or shifted is what it means, that we wouldn't get off of the gospel. So let, let me take you, this is why I preach this backwards today, because in verse 15 through 17, it is some of the greatest uh, verses that we have about who Jesus is about the gospel. And my hope is that this takes us to a place of faith and belief in who he is and what he can do. Can I get it? Amen, church. Let me read it to you. I'm actually going to read 15 through 18. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All means all, church. And he is before all things, and in him all things, what? Hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. If you're taking notes, Jesus is all supreme and all sufficient. In these few verses here, the word all is used five times. 
In the original language, that would mean essentially when it's saying all or all things, it's getting at this idea of the whole universe of things. That, that in fact, Jesus is in charge of and over the whole universe of things. Why? Because he was there in the beginning. He is our creator. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-sufficient. He is all-supreme. He also, it says, holds all things together. That he is all-sufficient. That he is there and able. And did you notice in verse 16 and 17, it talked about over dominion and spiritual authorities? One of the things we need to be reminded of, I believe often, is that yes, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where there are other forces. There's an enemy. Scripture talks about this in Ephesians 6, that, that actually we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and hosts of wickedness. What Paul's getting at here is while that is true, Jesus is supreme over all of it. And that actually because not of the birth order, it's not getting at birth order. What it's actually getting at with Jesus is that he is the first over all creation. That's an authority thing. That isn't like being the firstborn in your family, okay? That's an authority thing that he is the first over everything. This is not to leave us in a place to go, oh my goodness, what do I do? What do I do with this situation at work? What do I do with this situation you know, with my family? What do I do with this situation with my finances? What do I do with this situation, with this addiction I have, or whatever the issue is? No, no, it's to actually say that Jesus is the upgrade in all things, that he's all supreme and all sufficient, that he has all authority and all power. That actually, whatever that thing is, that issue, that, and, and maybe for you, you like, you got a U-Haul truck today. Like, maybe you've got a 27-foot U-Haul truck full of stuff. And I'm not shaming you. I'm inviting you to believe that if you seek first and bring that to Jesus, that his authority and his power and what he wants to do in this coming year is able and he is sufficient to deal with it. So what is, praise God, what is the issue that maybe you've let it have more dominion in your life? Maybe it's been attached to you for a while. Maybe it's been a year. Maybe it's been decades. Like, do not underestimate what God can do with his authority and power. Jesus is all supreme and all sufficient. Now, as we look and think about this, this is greater than anything you may have faced. Seek him first in all things, and we'll be able to settle in to what he has for us. Again, let me just encourage you of who he is. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. You're not looking to somebody who died as plan B, who somehow failed in his mission. You ever ran across somebody that felt like, yeah, Jesus is weak, he, he actually got killed. Anybody? That was plan A. That was Jesus saying, no, I love you enough, I believe in the Father's plan enough, in his plan for you, that I'm gonna lay down my life. In fact, he gave it up, he said, it is finished. 
Jesus did that not out of weakness, but out of great strength. He's all supreme. He is all sufficient. Verse 17, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. You maybe have been relying on your own strength to, to hold it together, to get through it. Right? Anybody else? Like, yeah, I'm going to just get through it. I'm going to get over it and get through it. When we put Jesus in the middle, we realize he's there and available to hold all things together. The only reason that our world and your world hasn't spiraled completely out of control is because Jesus is somehow holding it together. And when we begin to get in alignment with that, God begins to move. That last verse, verse 18, is so important too because it reminds us that in the church, while I have the title of lead pastor, Jesus is the head of this church. He is the head of his church. We submit and come under his leadership because he's all supreme and all sufficient. So as we seek first together in this season, there may be some things that God wants to shake out of your life. That God, that you've been relying on that's been more supreme than Jesus. Or maybe something that, that you've been relying on that's felt like, well, this is how I'll survive. This is where the sufficiency will come from. When we moved here in 2020 as a family, it took a few days getting down. And so we, you know, came down from Michigan. And I know some of you, you're like a road warrior. You drive it without stopping. And that's amazing. Blessings on your bladder. Like, that's great. Um, we, got a, we got a family of six, okay? And so we took our time. We stayed in a couple hotels. We, I think we took three days getting down. And when you go into a hotel, right, what do you do? You, you, you take a bag or just what you need for that night. It's temporary. You don't expect a whole lot. You're not going to stay. You're not going to settle. You just, you're just there temporarily. When we got to Vera, we actually moved into an Airbnb for six weeks. And because of different circumstances, that Airbnb was allowing us to stay an extended stay. And it was great, right? Fully furnished. All of our stuff was put in storage and and, and we were waiting to buy a home. After six weeks, we, we were able to move out of that temporary situation into a home. Now, in the Airbnb, we were still living out of suitcases. Some of you remember how maybe wrinkled my clothes were, right? You know, it's a joke, anyway. Um, we, we were living out of suitcases for six weeks. It's still temporary. We still haven't fully settled. At the end of those six weeks, God provided a home. Now we're owners. Now we move in. God is so blessed, and we begin the process of settling, of settling into that. Over the last couple of weeks, we've had such a great time as a family. Even last night, sitting around the dinner table, what do you like? What do you love? What are some of the best things after a year of settling in? Here's what I believe God is, is wanting to do in each of our lives. You aren't meant to treat your relationship with God like a hotel or an Airbnb. You're meant to treat it like a permanent, he wants to reside in you, the hope of glory. That, that Jesus wants to do something in this season, to take all of the things you've had in storage and to begin to settle, to begin to prune, to begin to weed out, to begin to say, here's my best for you. And that's gonna be my prayer and my hope for us in this entire year that we grow in Christ-likeness, we get healthy, we are on fire because we've settled in to who he wants us to be. Three next step questions to close here. 
And uh, the first is, are you becoming bitter or better in all things? What does that look like for you to say, my goal is to be more like Jesus? He's my greatest resource. He's the power, his presence. How will I become better this year? Secondly, whose name has been in your mouth lately? You thought I was going to let it go, and I'm not going to. Because oftentimes, some of the greatest dysfunction is found in the church. That we forget we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to have Jesus' name and Jesus' view of one another. So let's make sure his name is in our mouth. And then third, will you just seek first Jesus in 2022? Will you sign up for the devotional and the fast and go on the journey and see what does he want to do in your life? I'm going to pray over us, and then we've got an incredible moment. I really believe that this is a moment that God is going to move as we worship and praise him, as we look to him as all supreme and all sufficient. Ava and our team are going to come out, and as they sing, you're welcome to, to worship, but I'd almost rather say for this song, let's just receive Let's just receive from the Lord what he wants to do. Let this be sung over you. And if you want to come forward for prayer to either of the kneeling benches or altars, you can do that. If you're online and you need prayer, let our chat host know. But let's just soak in this moment and put him first and be reminded that he is all supreme and all sufficient. Jesus, we love you and praise you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Father, for the reminder in your word that you are all supreme and all sufficient, that you're ready to settle us into who we were created to be. We want to seek you first. So I pray right now, Lord, whether we're online or in person, that, Father, through the words of this song, but more importantly, through the presence of your Holy Spirit, that we would sense your love and be able to let go and receive what you have for us. Father, I do believe you want to bring healing and reconciliation in our relationship with you and others. So Lord, have your way. May the hope of the gospel, your good news, excite us once again to live on mission and to love well. Father, we just want to soak you in in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow I won't be yours. 
Jesus is sufficient for the day. He's sufficient for the day, today, tomorrow, and where he's leading us. And as we uh, bring this service to a little bit of a close today, 
Over the next few Sundays, at least with what we know today, we're going to close a little differently. We did this about a month ago, and it was a moment and an opportunity for us to pray together. Uh, if you look in the Bible, often the early church gathered and, and they taught and they sang and they gave and then they would pray together. And we know that scripture says where two or, two or three are gathered, there he is. So we know he's here. And, and we want to take time during Seek First to really offer the opportunity to pray together. So we're intentionally bringing our services along to, to finish a little bit earlier to create that space for you. We're going to put up a slide right now that just kind of invites you into what that could look like. Uh, as we look at prayer at Pathway today, just pick an option. Some of you may form a circle of four to eight people. Uh, you know, take time to pray for each other and Pathway and what God wants to do in 2022. Uh, it's called popcorn prayer, by the way. Pop, 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 not pop. You ever been in a room, uh, moment where somebody prayed and you didn't get to? Okay. Let God move, but make sure everybody gets a chance. Amen? Uh, secondly, pray individually right where you're at. That's another option. You could just say, hey, I feel like I'm in God's presence right now, and I just want to pray on my own for a few minutes as we start this new year. Third option is you could come forward, and prayer partners are, are here and available. Uh, on our chat online, they'll put a link, and you can actually pivot off of that to pray with our chat host today. Don't you love technology? We've even got it set up and ready for that. So I'm going to pray. And then if you're a guest and you're like a little weirded out right now, that's okay. We love you. We love Jesus. And we believe that the church is truly better together. And when we come together to pray, there's opportunities. If you're not ready for that, don't feel bad at all. That is okay. You can come out. If you're a guest to our Welcome Center, we have a gift for you. We'd love to welcome you. Uh, again, let's let the Spirit move among us this year, amen? I'm going to pray, and then uh, you will be able to do one of these three things, and when you're ready, you, you can head out. If you're a parent with a kid in Pathway Kids, please head out by 1030. Okay. I have no idea what happened here today, but I'm going to assume it was good. Jesus, we love you and praise you. We look to you and believe that you are all supreme and all sufficient. And you are so great and worthy of our worship. And so, Father, as we enter into a time of, of even just in this room, praying together and praying online, God, I do ask, whether it's individual or group prayer, that you would meet us, that we would seek you first, settle in and let go of the things that we need to let go of. Move in a powerful way in 2022, Father, as we look to you and walk forward with you. We are saying that all means all, and Jesus, you are our all. So may we love you and love all people in our pathway. May we be the church that you've called us to be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. This is your time to respond.